So Hauser's New Year's resolutions. If you made a New Year's resolution and you have continued to do that New Year's resolution, please raise your hand if you're still on it. Very good. Only 358 days to go. You can do it. I'm like a ray of sunshine. I, I made a one New Year's resolution a few years ago. And my resolution was to never make a resolution again. And ironically, I have kept that. I have not done it since. I just, I, honestly, I got tired of being a failure. I got tired of always saying that I was going to do something and end up not doing it. Uh, I also made a resolution a very long time ago. It wasn't a New Year's resolution, but it was based on something that my parents used to say. I would sit and I would hear them say this, and I made a promise to myself that I would never utter those words to my children because I said so. I promised I would never ever say that because I knew that my parents as wonderful and lovely and great as they are they listen to this podcast how awesome they are I felt like they were putting themselves on this like moral high ground And they were looking down on me, the peasants, and telling me this is how it's going to go. That they were so high and mighty, and I was really wondering why. And they said, because I said so. It just made me so mad. And so I said, I will never say that to my children. And you know what? I didn't. Until my oldest son learned to talk. And then all of a sudden I realized it's not because they thought they were better than me. It's because I was annoying. That's why they said, because I said so. It was because I was annoying. Because after the 15th why, you legitimately run out of reasons and you have to say, because I said so. It drove me insane, but now it's so great to be able to use it's just the way it works. Because I said so, I, have, I, I venture to say that if you have children or if you have a husband or a wife who doesn't come to church and you've asked them to come to church, you eventually may just get to the point after they ask, why church, why church, why church, that you just say, because I said so. Because I said so. And that's the question that we ask, isn't it? Why church? Why do we have to go to church? And it really comes from two different areas. First, it's a Christian who has heard about the fact that they have a personal relationship with God. And they're trying to do some math. And they say, if I have a personal relationship with God, why do I need other people? Like, I have a personal relationship with my wife. It doesn't really matter if you all play a part in that or not. So why, if I have a personal relationship with Jesus, does it matter if other people are around? And then we have the outsider looking in. And they look into the church and they look at the past sins of Christians and they try to figure out what's the big deal. Maybe you've invited them to church and they just said, why? Why, why do I need to go? I think that's a prevailing thought. In 1966, John Lennon said, Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right and will be proved right. And this is really the truth of the matter when people look from the outside in and say why should I come to church they say why because this is they look at statistics and see the church in America is shrinking and they say why why go why bother 
And so I want to give you reasons why church this morning. And I want to give you a reason that is not in Scripture. This is from the National Bureau of Economic Research. Linda Gorman wrote an a article that said, Is religion good for you? And she said, Regular church attendees commit fewer crimes, are in better health, live longer, make more money, drop out of high school less frequently, and finish college more frequently than those who don't attend a church at all. So there you go. All right. If you want to be better than everyone else, come to church. No, I'm not saying that. But this is what she found. She said, this is kind of how it works. All right? That's a very, uh, like I said, secular explanation. So if I was coming to you and I wanted to appeal on that level to you, maybe this is what I would say. But I'm not coming to you from that level. I'm coming to you from a spiritual level. And this is what I have to say this morning. Revelation 7 John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The reason why church is because this is the reality. That when everything else fades away, everything else burns away, when everything else is over, the church is still there. The church remains. But I know the hesitation that we have. The hesitation is, that's great, but you know how far that is away. And the answer is, no one does, because Jesus said so. Huh, that's a preacher joke. But uh, no one knows when this is going to happen. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen in a thousand years. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back, and this is going to happen. We just know that it's going to happen. And so the question is, in the meantime, why do I need the church? Why do I need it? So I want to give you three reasons this morning. We're going to jump around Scripture, but our main Scriptures are in Acts 2, Hebrews 10, and Ephesians 4. They're on the app if you wanted to pull that up this morning. Acts 2.22, it says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So Peter gives the very first Christian sermon. Right? They receive the Holy Spirit, and they're talking, and everyone who is gathered in Jerusalem hears them, even though those people are speaking different languages. They hear what he is saying in his own tongue, and they're really confused. They actually accuse them of being drunk, and they say, what is wrong with these people? And so Peter gives up, and he stands up, and he says, this is what happens. What you have to understand is they knew about Jesus. All right? This has just been a few weeks since Jesus died, and so they know the current events that are happening around Jerusalem. And so they get up there, and Paul, Peter stands up, and he says this. He says, basically, Jesus is who God said that he is. Jesus is who he says that he is. Jesus is the Messiah. He ends it with, in verse 36. <coughs> he said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God had made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He said, makes no mistake, God is who he says he is, and Jesus is who he says he is. So why is this important? Is there anywhere else that you go that you hear that that's true? 
I mean, maybe you're old enough that you remember going to school and praying with your classmates and with your teacher, but let's be honest, it doesn't happen anymore. Do you go to work and you hear that Jesus is true? That everything about the Bible is true? Do you turn on the news and see that Jesus is true? Do you turn on religious programming and hear that Jesus is true or that they want your money? What do you hear when you aren't here? And the answer is, Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a myth. Christianity is a myth. God is not real. This is what you hear. And so why church? It's because this is the only place where you can hear it's true. All of it is true. Jesus is who he says he is. We need the church to reiterate that to us every single day. Why church? Because you've got to know that. If we take two steps out of church, the reality of the situation is we may be taking one step out of our faith. We may be taking one step out of Christianity, and it's not going to take much because the world is going to influence us in a different way for us just to walk away entirely. We need the church to remind us that Jesus is true. There's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German. He was a great theologian and a great mind. He actually got his doctorate in theology at the age of 22. This is how smart this guy is. And he, he's, he's preached and he taught and he believed God. But after a year in America, he started actually going to church. And there's a difference. He started going to church and he made this assumption when he came back to Germany. He said, it became clear to me that the life of a servant of Jesus Christ must belong to the church. You have to regularly be a part of this, otherwise you're going to hear the lies that it's not true when we believe that it is. Your professors, your teachers, your co-workers, your television programs are not going to tell you that Jesus is true. You need the church to remind you that he is. There's two more reasons why church. And the, the first one, well, it's the one that your grandmother told you and your mom told you and everybody else told you. You need church because you need to be here. Okay. They probably said after something you did wrong, let's be honest, that's, you need to go to church. Boy, I heard that sometimes and the bad thing was I was in church. Like, that's, but that's what people say. You need Jesus. You need religion. You need to come to church, right? But that's it's an honest answer. Why do you need church? Because you need it. I think that's the idea that the author of Hebrews was trying to get across in, verse, in chapter 10, starting in verse 19. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Basically, what this says is Jesus is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, you're free. You have been purified. You have been washed clean. The reason why you need to be in church is because the church helps us to remember that we're saved. The church helps us to remember <coughs> that we have been bought with a price by Jesus so that we could have a relationship with God. Because here's what the world tells you. The world wants you to go back to what held you hostage. 
The world, the commercials you watch, that you listen to, the way that the world acts, it tells you that you have to tie yourself to certain things in order to have meaning and in order to have happiness and to have a successful marriage or to get rich. You have all of these things that you have to do in order to live life and to be happy. And the church is here to remind you, you are free from all that. Your identity is in Christ and in no one else. You are safe. And yet so many times I have seen people, particularly new Christians who come and they're baptized and they're on fire and they're ready to go. And then all of a sudden they start missing every other week. And then they go about once a month. And then it's once every other month. And then it's Christian, uh, Christmas and Easter. And then usually through, through Facebook we see that they're back doing the stuff they did to start with because they remove themselves from the positive influence that says that you don't need to go back to this they came back and thought that this is what gave them meaning and acceptance and it wasn't true the church is important and you need to be in church because it's the place that reminds you that you have been saved and you are free to be free you don't have to go back. Hebrews continues, he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. I think if there is a word that most definitely does not describe the world we live in, it is unswervingly. I mean, just think about the word we live in. We are swervy people. We see something, we like something, then off in our peripheral vision we see something else that we like a little bit more and what do we do we swerve and then we go and we hang out with that and we watch that we do that whatever and then all of a sudden off in our peripheral there's something else what do we do we swerve again we're going back and forth we would get pulled over if the cop was behind us like we this is how we live our life we chase one thing after another and we find out that this is going to leave us empty this looks like it's going to give us better uh, whatever it's going to give us more acceptance and so we're going to chase after this chase after this chase after this and eventually it just becomes exhausting you see what we need in the church why we need the church is because the church reminds us don't give up. The church reminds us keep going. You're not done yet. Because let's be really honest about the world. The world tells you to give up at the slightest hint of trouble. Doesn't it? The slightest bit of unhappiness in your marriage end it the slightest bit of discomfort at your job find a new one you find somebody who's talking bad about you on Facebook find another friend give up what the church says is keep going the church says is that pain is part of the fact that you are living in a broken world and when it comes you keep going because we're here running alongside you you keep pushing on it is making you better is making you is purifying you it's refining you it's making you stronger keep going one of the things that I like to do is I like to run and my goodness you all have hills here like mountains like it, it is ridiculous 
Every time I run at my house, I have to make the decision of whether I want to end on this giant hill or this giant hill. Like, there's no good route. And I can't run downtown for very long. I've got to turn up towards the university. And by the way, you're on top of a hill too. And so everything is hilly. And that makes my motivation go from here to like zero really, really fast. One time Andy ran with me and I felt so bad. I felt like I was, he was having to push me in a stroller. I was going so fast, so slow. And I just, but that was the best run I've had since I was here. See, it's hard to run when it's cold. It's hard to run when it's hilly. It's hard to run anywhere when you're by yourself. Unless you're super motivated and those people make me sick. Like, it's, it, it, it's hard. But if you have somebody with you, it's better. If you have somebody to push you, if you have someone to run alongside you, see, that's what the church is. The church is here to say, you don't have to run this by yourself. I know Paul talks about running this race and keeping your eyes on the prize, but he doesn't say if you have to do it all by yourself. He says do it with other people. The church is here because it is here to remind us don't, don't give up. Don't swerve. Don't go to one side or the other. He finishes off here. He says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching spur each other on help each other be who they were created to be that's that's why we need the church we need the church because we need the church to help us realize that we are becoming who we are created to be when we are in God the church is the only place that tells you you were fearfully and wonderfully made knit together in your mother's womb created for a purpose I have something very very hard for us to realize this morning and it's this the world will accept you as long as you have a use for them. The world will accept you as long as you have a use for them. It is molding you in its image so that it can get whatever it wants out of you. And once you cease to be useful for them, it will push you aside and find somebody else. Has anybody experienced that? You have been with a group of friends. You have tried a certain thing. You have drank. You have done something else because you thought this is what was going to make you better and then it just leaves you empty and broken and on the side of the road. You see, it's only the church that when you come, you're seen as a creation of God. Ephesians 2, 19-22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and are members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. I want to highlight that last phrase. You are being built together. That means it is currently happening. As I look over the room today, as I look at myself, I see zero finished products. Because you're all breathing. Some of you are sleeping, but you're still breathing. Because you're still breathing, it means God's not done with you. And because God's not done with you, He is still building you to be who He's creating you to be. Only the church can walk alongside of you and say, hey, you're not done yet, keep going. Only the church can get together and say, hey, you need to continue and continue on this path. You are being built. You are a work in progress. If you give up now, you will not be complete. 
If you see, if you see a, a half-built building and a storm comes, would you rather be in that one or the one that's finished? Because that's what happens. You see, what happens is we come to church, we accept Jesus, and we like to stay at this certain level, and we don't want to get deeper into it. And what happens is we're a half-built building, and then storms come, and we give up. We quit. In Lexington, uh, right near where I grew up, um, they had this idea eight years ago. They were going to build this gigantic building. And so they hollowed out a full city block, and they dug down deep. It was a huge basically crater in the middle of Lexington and they were going to make this place like the hub of activity in Lexington and it was going to be this beautiful building they were going to call it center point and so they dug it out and wouldn't you know it the investors pulled out so they have this giant built this giant hole in the ground and the investors pull out and so they try to sell it and someone buys it and they have this great idea and everybody gets like very excited about it again and then guess what they ran out of money and then somebody else bought it and they decided well this is what we're going to do and they got excited about it again and then guess what they got thrown into jail and so everything was bad this beautiful idea was a hole in the ground what they had to do for years was put a chain link fence around it a full city block and they bought these windscreens that were printed so that they would have fake scenery around it so you would ignore the fact that there's a giant hole in your city it was awful and yet that's a lot of us we bought into this idea that we want to be a christian we accepted that but then we didn't want to move any farther and you're ignoring the fact that God wants you to continue to be built. He wants to continue to mold you into who you're created to be. And you can't do that on your own. And so why do you need church? You need church because you need to hear the truth about Jesus. You need church because you need to be here. But there's another part of it. And this is the part that may not have been told to you before. Ephesians 4, verse 11. <coughs> it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So God has given people leaders in the church, but that's not how far a church goes. A church goes as far as its people. You see, here's what you need to understand. Why church? It's not just that you need to be here. But the church needs you. The church needs you. Only when everyone is doing its part can we grow and build ourselves up in love. It's the only way that this happens. You see, here's what God does. God creates everyone on this earth to fit in with His church. He does not create someone and say, you are not designed for a relationship with me. Have a great life. 
God creates everyone uniquely for a relationship with him, which means that they, if we were a puzzle, are supposed to fit in. Here's the thing. We need everyone to be in the church because the church was made for everyone. And we can't be who God is calling us to be unless everyone is doing their part. And everyone is connected and everyone is building each other up. I cannot be the Christian that I need to be without you. And you cannot be the Christian that you need to be without each other. I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to say, I cannot be the Christian I need to be without you. Okay, turn around. Do it. Tell them, I cannot be the Christian I need to be without you. I don't know why some of y'all are laughing. Maybe you don't have faith in that person, but I don't know. Uh, Alright. Hey, it's true. You can't. Without each other's unique abilities, gifts, we can't be the church that we were created to be. We can't be everything that we were created to be unless everyone's a part of it. Now, here's the thing. You were willing to say that to the person sitting next to you. It applies to the person who lives next to you that doesn't go to church to. And it applies to the person who cuts you off in traffic. And it, cuts, it applies to the waitress that's going to serve you after uh, church today. It applies to everyone because everyone was created to fit in the church. The church needs everyone. And so I can't stand up here today and tell you why you need church and not invite you to be part of it. And we believe that everyone who says that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who was baptized into Him, then we belong to the church. We are united. We are going to be standing side by side like everyone else that we read from Revelation earlier. We're going to be there forever in perfect relationship with God. It's going to be hard for now because there's sin, but there's going to be a day where we don't have to worry about There's no more sin, no more pain, no more tears, no more worry, and we're, <laughs> we're going to be united in the fact that we are the church. It's the only thing that endures, and so I want to invite you to be a part of that this morning. And so as Wade plays, we're going to stand together, and if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward and make that decision. To say, I want to be a part of that. Maybe you don't quite understand how that happens. I'd love to sit and talk to you about that this morning. Maybe today is the day that you say, I, I'm part of the church, but I want to be a part of a local church. And so we invite you this morning to come forward and be a part of this church. Here's what we're taking home today. It is because Jesus is who he says he is that we must meet together to continue to be built into the person and into the church that God wants us to be. Because Jesus is true, then we need to make sure that we are in a church. And that we receive from the church what it can give us, and that we give the church the gifts and the abilities that God has given to us. And so this morning, if this applies to you, we invite you to come forward. Let's all be standing as we sing this morning.